Welcome to the Congregation of the Twelve Tribes of Israel. For more information, visit riseisrael.com or 12t.co. You can also call that toll-free number, which is 888-447-1695. Or email us at following address, scribe at riseisrael.com. Today's topic is called, When Do You Begin the Education of Your Children? This is very important because here it is that the month of September is coming up and most parents are preparing to send their children back to school. And what they don't realize is that the education of your children, their prosperity, and how they will turn out to be is all in your hands. But most parents don't see it that way. Most parents think that it's based on where you live, if you're living in a neighborhood that has a good school, a good public school, or if they are able to afford to send you to a private school. And, and these are the things that make what the child will become in the future. But that is incorrect. We want to remind you that not only is the education of your child your responsibility, but also that the education of your child doesn't begin when they turn five, six, or seven, like this society says. Or that it doesn't begin in September. So here it is that maybe they were with you at home this whole time. And you let them play video games all that time. You didn't sit down with them at all and speak to them about serious matters, about math or science. You didn't, you didn't spend time with them. Most parents, when you really think about it, they treat... The Department of Education, the school system that has been set up, almost like a babysitter. They they like, oh, finally, oh, it's September, yes. Woo, these kids are going to be out of my hair. And that's how they, they look at it, which is sad that they look at it in that fashion. And some might look at it in that fashion also because they're concerned about paying bills. How are we going to pay my bills? If I, if I have to watch my kids and I don't have somebody to babysit them, how am I going to do that? How am I going to teach them? And this is why we always tell brothers and sisters that before you get married, understand that marriage brings forth children. So we have lessons that we have recorded already dealing with those subjects. But we want to remind you that your child does not have to be special. He does not have to have some type of disability. He does not have to have um, some permission from the Department of Education or whatever to be homeschooled by you. And for you as a parent, you don't have to be a scientist, a rocket scientist. You don't have to be working for NASA to be able to teach a child good math, good science, and protect your child from all the harm that could come from being the public school system or even being outside of the public school system. Let's say in a private school, even so there, you're going to protect them from the harm that could come to them. When we read in the book of Luke, let's go there. The book of Luke chapter 1, we're going to read about the birth of one of the greatest prophets according to Christ, the birth of John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, 
a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we're reading about the parents of John the Baptist, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Both of them were from the tribe of Levi, from the lineage of Aaron, the priest. It says here in verse 6, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. When I said blameless, that means no one was able to point a finger to them and say, Oh my God, do you know that he's a thief? You know what I'm saying? They weren't, they weren't uh, that type of person that has scandalous lives. They were righteous men and righteous women in ancient time that were keeping the commandments of the Most High. Keeping the commandments of the Most High also means to what? Not just to tend, but to obey the entire Bible, to obey the entire law that God gave. Which in the laws, it actually tells us that it is the responsibility of the parents to teach their children not only about the Most High, not only about the Bible, not only the laws and the culture of Israel, which you are, you so-called blacks and Hispanics, but to also teach them math, to also teach them science, languages, etc. And a lot of times our people don't realize that, that the Bible actually teaches this. You look at in the past, some of our forefathers, they were wise in science, inventors. You look at our children today, knowledge has increased so much that there's computers. There's so much wisdom that could be attained right at our fingertips. But yet we spend our time in social media and in everything that is not beneficial for us. So our children grow up thinking that they have no career that they could have. That the only choices that they have is to be either in the rap or music or dealing with sports. When in reality, you look, our people were known for science, engineering, building. We built every nation that was great. When you think about it, when you study the history of our people. So here it is that we want to read to you an example of good parents. These are great examples of people that we should follow because it told us right there this is God's word saying that Elizabeth and Zacharias were righteous meaning they did things according to God's commandment it says here in the next verse verse 7 and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren that means Elizabeth had a problem being able to be pregnant she was not fertile she was barren meaning they didn't expect any child from from God to come. And they both were now well stricken in years. Meaning they were now far ahead in years. They were getting old. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office. Before God in the order of his course. According to the custom of the priest's office. His lot was to burn incense. When he went into the temple of the Lord. So this is talking about Zacharias. How when he received the message from the Heavenly Father that he was going to be blessed with a child. Now, this message did not come from a family member. It didn't even come from his wife like, oh, baby, I'm pregnant. Who did the message come from? Look at this. Look how beautiful this happened. 
Here it is, this man never expected to have children. He's in the temple doing the job that he was required to according to his course, to his office, his position as a priest. It says in verse 10, And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense, meaning at the time of prayer. And there appeared unto him an angel, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. He was afraid. So, you know, angels are not little white babies. They're big black men, warriors. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. So this man has been praying for what? Let's see. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. This is talking about John the Baptist. The angel came with the message and told him, you're about to be a father. Now that we read that, we know that John obviously was a special child. All the children that are born of Israel are special to the Most High. Because they could be potentially one of the prophets, one of the prophetess that are spoken of in prophecy. So we should look at all our children like that, like as if God sent them because it, it was God that made that happen. It wasn't you. It wasn't the spouse. It was up to the most high for you to have children. Now, when the most high gives you a gift like that, because children are indeed a gift. You have to immediately, as a parent, understand what is required of you. Let's prove real quick that children are a gift of the Most High. We're going to hold our spot in Luke because we're going to come back to it. And we're going to the book of Psalms real quick. We're going to go to the book of Psalms 127. In Psalms 127, we're going to read from verse 1 because it's going to show you that if you want to build yourself and you want to build a household, the way you do that is, first and foremost, you got to keep the commandments, but you have to rely on the Heavenly Father. In the book of Psalms 127 verse 1, it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And what that means is, like, you have a lot of times where people are career-minded and they think about buying a house. But they forget that a house is like that song from, from uh, Luther Vandross. A home is not a home where no one is there. I can't say so. <laughs> but you get the message, right? It says, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. You can have a home where you have multiple rooms. You have everything that you want physically. But a household where your children respect you, where your children love you, where the house is functional, meaning, you know, everyone understands their roles in the household. Everyone is with the same mindset on one accord with the goal of making it to the kingdom of God, bringing prosperity to the family. That doesn't happen unless you rely on the Most High and follow his commandments. It says, except the Lord build the house, it ain't going to happen. It says, except the Lord keep the city, 
the watchman waketh but in vain. So a watchman in ancient time was the person that would look beyond the walls of the city and see if there was any invading army coming. But if he warns the people and say, hey, the Babylonians are coming, it does not matter if the Mosai is not with the people. If the people are wicked, the Mosai is not going to defend the city. Likewise, if you're wicked and you're not following the instructions of the Mosai, your household is not built on a rock, it's built on sand. It will wash away. Let's jump down to verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. Right there is telling you something very clear, something very beautiful. Children are an heritage of the Lord, meaning children is a blessing. A heritage is something that you pass down, something that you gift to your loved ones. So when the Mosai gives you children, he's giving you a heritage. He's giving you a blessing. Learning the wisdom that you might have, the education that you received, that's something that now you could pass down to your children. You could build a legacy. It says here, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Therefore, when Zacharias heard that message straight from an angel, that made it even sweeter, right? Because it wasn't like a family member told him and ran to the temple and said, Hey, hey, Zacharias, Zacharias, your wife is pregnant. He didn't hear it from a family member or he didn't return home and his wife was like, Hey, babe, I got something to tell you. So what's that, babe? What's going on? I think I'm pregnant. That ain't happened. Instead, before he even dealt with his wife, this man heard from an angel, you're going to have a child. I'm here to tell you that the Mosai is going to give you a reward. The Mosai is going to give you a blessing. So happy, didn't say sad, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, meaning children are not supposed to be a chore or something that you're not happy about. Like, another one? Oh, God. I thought you was on the pill. I thought you was trying to stop it from happening. A quiver is where you put your arrows. So think about if you were going to war. Who wants to run out of arrows? Nobody does. Your children, they are basically kind of like a weapon. In what way? In what form? Because if you haven't noticed by now, the Department of Education, no matter what country you go to, is actually used as a weapon against our people. In what way? If you don't get good education, you don't have good jobs. You don't become entrepreneurs. Because a lot of times you have people that they learn and become educated just so they could become a good slave. They don't think about creating their own businesses or becoming entrepreneurs. Now, the worst thing is when you got our children, don't get the attention that they need, don't get the education that they need, and they end up, because of it, in jail. In a life that you did not expect for your child. You're like, what happened? Because you were sending them to school, and you're thinking that they're going to come out good. But by the time they reach a certain age, you're like, what's going on with my child? And if you haven't been looking at the news, 
You have parents that are sending their kids to school, and here it is that their boy Tommy, that was born a boy, now is coming back home and doesn't want to be Tommy because the teacher and everybody else in that system is educating them that it's okay for you to be a girl. So don't be Tommy, be Tammy. You know what I'm saying? And we don't have to tell your parents about it. You don't have to be Jimmy. Now you could be Jenny. You could be anything else. And all that type of education that they're giving your children is being weaponized against your people. So that your people will not continue as a heritage, will not continue as a culture, will not prosper. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They should not be ashamed. A man or a woman that is getting married, you have to understand that the moment you're dealing with a woman, there's a great probability that you will have a child. The first thing that you don't want your child to hear is, what? You pregnant? Are you keeping it? What do you mean, are you keeping it? Hearing you cursing them before they even came out the womb. And this is what this lesson is about. The first form of education does not begin when they're five or six, when the state requires you to enroll them into their school system. No. Their education begins the moment that they are in the womb. And that's what the scripture is going to show us. So forget about September. You should have been educating your child from day one. The moment that you find out that that woman is pregnant, that woman herself should have been speaking to her child words of encouragement, words of wisdom, words of faith. So that child, when it comes out, he already has a good spirit or she already got a good spirit. These are the things that parents don't realize. And as you're spending your time with your child breastfeeding and you're teaching them while you're breastfeeding because they don't speak English or Spanish, whatever language you're, you know, brought up in, that doesn't mean they don't understand you because they can see the spirit in you. And as time goes on, by the time they reach five or six, instead of September being the time period where they expect to start schooling, they know that schooling happens all around the year, not just from September to, let's say, July. It starts every day. On the Sabbath day, on the feast days, on the regular days when they are at home, you're the one that's teaching them. They spend the time with you. So you're not using the school system as a babysitter. You're preparing your child for success and for blessings. That's how it was in ancient time, and that's how it should be today. That way you don't have to worry about what the school is teaching wrong to your child. Or if there's a school shooting or something like that. Or they being bullied. And I know that for some parents, they might be like, I don't see how I could do that. Or I'm not confident in teaching my children. But like I said, knowledge has increased. You have in your fingertips wisdom. There's videos that you could show them. And show them how certain math is done. There's resources on the internet that are literally free 
and are really good that you could use for your child. The pandemic taught us that you could teach your child. The pandemic taught us that you could put your children first. And it also showed you how the education of this society is garbage. Literally. Our people have no excuse. We don't have no excuse because God told us this thousands of years ago. Happy is the man that have his quiver full of them. They should not be ashamed. No man is going to be ashamed if he has 8, 9, 10 kids and they all shark. Because eventually that man and his family are going to be on one accord and they're going to have a goal. Whether it be business wise or spiritually. They're going to prosper. But they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And when we read in the scriptures, Jacob was an example. He was a man that had 12 sons. And when there was trouble in the family, his sons spoke against the enemies at the gate. They were not afraid. They're like, yo, pops, we got it. It's like having a quiver full of arrows where you could shoot at an enemy and basically be protected still. You don't want to be like, oh, oh, I got four guys coming at me and I, I ran out of arrows. Right? You don't want to be that guy. Remember that I mentioned earlier. You don't want your child to hear their first response to their birth. For them to be in the womb. You don't want them to hear like, damn. What? You, you pregnant? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't want a child. And all that stuff. You don't want them to hear that. But guess what? This is something that happens often in the households of the so-called blacks, Hispanics, and Native American, which are the children of Israel. That's a curse that our people suffer. It says it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's go to it real quick. I want to read verse 15 and I'm going to jump down. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 15 it says, But it shall come to pass... If thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So showing you, if we don't keep the commandments, curses will come upon us and overtake us. Now what is one of the curses that the scripture talks about? In verse 19 it says, actually I'm going to start at verse 18. In verse 18 it says, Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body. The fruit of our body is our children. Cursed will be our children. It says, And the fruit of thy land. So if you were a farmer and you were growing crops, your crops did not give the full strength of it. It says, The increase of thine kind and the flocks of thy sheep. And a lot of times our forefathers were shepherds or cattle herders. And they will be cursed in the sense that their sheep will not bring forth healthy children or they will, you know, miscarry. So the most I was talking about curses being brought upon us in general, right? The next verse says, curse shall thou be when thou comest in. What do you mean curse shall thou be when thou comest in? The moment that an Israelite baby, so-called black, so-called Hispanic, Native American Indian, is inside the womb of his mother, the first words that he hears is not of joy. 
It's not of gladness. It's not, you know, this is such a blessing. This is so beautiful. I'm so happy that, oh my God, for real, you pregnant? They don't hear that. They hear what? The complete opposite. They might even hear words that they want that child. They want. <laughs> it's like you in the womb and you're hearing your parents saying that they want to murder you. That's the worst. Do you understand that? That's the worst. Some people are born even though their parents said those words. And you know that that affects them even afterwards. Even afterwards. That affects the spirit that they have. Of course, the word of the Most High, with coming with understanding of the scriptures, it could remove that curse. Because once you start keeping the commandments, that blessing that we read in this same chapter, but in the earlier verses, will actually come upon you. But let me finish this verse. It says, Cursed shall thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shall thou be when thou goest out. That means some of our people are cursed from the moment that they are born, all the way to the moment that they die. The worst curse that could happen to you is dying without knowledge of who you are. Is dying and not have the wisdom, the knowledge and understanding of how to receive salvation. Losing the chance and the opportunity to get eternal life. So you died and now your fate is sealed where you will be what? Destroyed. That's the worst type of what? Curse. If we jump up in the chapter... In Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1, it says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken, meaning if you listen diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all the commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And that's how it used to be in the past, where you had our forefathers like Solomon, Abraham, Daniel, Men that were known for their wisdom and for their great acts that they had done. And all these blessings, you hear that? All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. If thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. If you listen to the voice of the Most High. Verse 3 says, Blessed shall thou be in the city. Now look at us. When we talk about living in the city... We're not talking about living lavish, living in a beautiful city. We're talking about living in the slums, right? Ghettos. Living in horrible shanty towns. That's what our people experience. In the past, we used to live in the city that was blessed, Jerusalem. With palaces and so on and so forth. Blessed shall thou be in the city and blessed shall thou be in the field. Meaning, in the field... Your crops are going to bring forth abundantly. We were blessed with an abundance of food, an abundance of everything. We were prosperous. We were selling to other nations of our products. When you look at our people today, they have fruitful lands, whether it be in the Caribbean or Africa or whatever they are. And those fruits, those vegetables do not go to the people in that land. Instead, it goes to what? Europe. America and the rich enjoy it because they got to pay off what some type of loan or debt that their country are into which is another form of keeping us what oppressed verse 4 says blessed shall be the fruit of thy body 
So now here's the opposite of what we read earlier. Instead of you having miscarriages or having difficulty with having children, the Mosai was saying to the Israelites back then, I'm going to bless your body. Meaning your children are going to be born in abundance. You're going to have, like Jacob, he had 12. You had some Israelite man that had 70 sons. That was a blessing from the Most High. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Right there is showing us that whatever our people had, whether it was their cattle, started off with a few, all of a sudden, oh my God, I got so much cows. Oh my gosh, I got so much sheep. I got so much lamb. Oh, my ground is bringing forth a lot of food to the point where the poor were able to eat from your fields. That was the blessing that we used to have as a nation. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. So we used to have storehouses. When you look at stores of our people, like in our neighborhoods, they start up and then they what? Close down. They never stay. But when you look at the Arabs, the Chinese, and other nations, if they open a store in your neighborhood, it gets passed down to their children. And it keeps going, right? Here's the point, verse 6. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in. See, this is what happened to John. When John was born, he didn't hear from his parents like, Damn, you're pregnant? Oh, no, no, God, no! You know what I'm saying? Stop it! No! You know? We need to get rid of it! He didn't hear that. Blessed was John when he came in. It says, And blessed should thou be when thou goest out. John died a horrible type of death. He was decapitated. But that man is still blessed, even in that death. You know why? He died knowing that he was an Israelite. He died with the hope of salvation that was not fake. Because this man, Christ said, there was no prophet greater than John. John was spoken of in prophecy throughout the scriptures. So in other words, what that's letting us know is when once the kingdom of heaven is established here on earth, who's going to be there? John. And why? Because the education of his parents. From little, from the womb, he believed in Christ. He had knowledge of Christ from the womb. Showing you the education did not start when he was five, six, or seven. No, you got to instill in your children faith from the time they're in the womb. Let's go back to the book of Luke and show that through the Spirit. So we went to the book of Luke. Look what the Mosai says about John. We're in um, verse 14. Luke 1 and 14. And thou shalt have joy. So he's telling Zacharias, look, you're going to have joy and gladness. And many shall rejoice at his birth. Many were going to be happy at the birth of John. Was that true? Yeah. Everybody in the land at that time thought he was the Messiah. They thought he was the Christ. But John had to say, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm the messenger that's preparing the way for him. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even 
from his mother's womb. You know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb? The Holy Spirit means wisdom, knowledge, understanding from his mother's womb. Not when he comes out. From his mother's womb. To show proof of that, let's jump down in the chapter. We could read about Mary being told from an angel that her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant. And this is in verse 36. It says here, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. Meaning she's pregnant with the baby. And this is the sixth month. So she was six months pregnant. The sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Meaning here it is, everybody was like, oh, Elizabeth will never have a child. She grown old. She has been barren all her life. But the angel's telling Mary, look, your cousin Elizabeth, she's pregnant. And listen, don't look at it like something shocking. Because nothing is impossible with the Most High. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. And entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. So Mary hearing this message from the angel, she's like, I got to see this myself. My cousin Elizabeth is pregnant? <laughs> this is crazy. So she went and journeyed to where her cousin was at and saluted, meaning greeted them. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, meaning the baby, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? That the baby was able to hear the voice of Mary. And John, being filled with the Holy Spirit, was able to recognize this is the mother of my king. So inside, he jumped. He leaped like, oh, snap. Excited. Showing you that he was being taught from the womb by his parent. Not only was the baby filled with the Holy Spirit, but the mother as well. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, blessed art thou among women. And blesses the fruit of thy womb. You see how they were greeting each other? They weren't saying, oh, girl, you pregnant? No. Oh, you got your career. What are you going to do now? Your body. What are you going to do now? And all those different things that women like to say in our time period. No, they understood. Having a child was a blessing. And the responsibility was not something that they put off. They were happy to be mothers. Happy to be fathers. Even prayed for it. She said in verse 43. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of that salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Right there it shows you that this mother was able to recognize that the baby was hearing what she was saying. Thus teaching us that the beginning of the education of our children starts with you from the moment 
that they are in the womb. With that, I want to give all praise and honor to the Most High in Christ. And we hope you brothers and sisters take advantage of the resource that we have on our website, which teaches you how to do homeschooling or how to enroll for homeschooling. Do not allow for them to deceive you into thinking that your child must have special educational needs or that they must be in some type of trouble or there has to be some special condition for them to be homeschooled by you. Because at the end of the day, you are the parent. You are the one responsible for their education. And we hope that you realize that it's not just from September to July, but on a daily basis. Most I willing, we'll come back with more about education for you brothers and sisters. But for now, we say shalom. Shalom. shalom.